This morning, though, I want to talk about the God of second chances. Last week, we talked about God having a destiny for our life. And oh, I should also mention that uh, uh, next week I'm away, Fiona and I are away, but I've asked um, Pastor Paul Kamak to come and share a message. He's got a special message lined up. It's going to be very exciting. Who's ever heard him preach before? You have? Well, if you haven't, you are in for a treat. Um, this is a man who's spoken into my life. He won't mind me saying that. He's spoken into my life on many occasions and continues to do so. He's a man that I greatly respect and he really knows that the mind of Christ has the heart of God. So please come next week and you will be blessed, I can assure you. Uh, I heard about a woman who came home one afternoon and she, she told her husband, the car won't start. And he said, he said, well, what's the problem? She said, there's water in the carburetor. And he, the husband looked at her and he said, well, look, I, I, I don't mean to be rude. This was back when cars had carburetors. He said, I don't mean to be rude, but um, you don't know a carburetor from a spark plug. How would you know if there's water in the carburetor? She said, trust me, there's water in the carburetor. He said, uh, I, he said well, okay, I'll trust you, but I, I'm not really sure I, I, I believe you. He said, anyway, I'll have a look at it. Where's the car? She said, in the lake. So there is a wife who wished she could have a second chance. <laughs> um, Fiona was relating a story yesterday. This is a true story from our life. <coughs> where she came to me and she said, um, I've had a bit of an accident in the car. She said, I've, I've got um, the, the back of it's all dented in and stuff. And I went, oh, I, I think, wow, that's, how did that happen? And you know, I was a bit dumbfounded. She said, it gets worse. And I said, how does it get worse? She said, I backed into your car. <laughs> <laughs> so there's someone who wished she could have a second chance. <laughs> have you ever done stuff in your life you wish you could just do them over? As kids, you know, you used to play a game and you used to call out replay or do over and you could do it all over again. And, and, and when, you, when, you, uh, you know, when you watch a, a, a video or something like that or, or a DVD or something like that, if you miss a bit, you can go back and do it over again. You know, isn't that right? And, and you, get, you get another chance to see it again. How many of you have played computer games? Yeah, because the thing about computer games is if you die, you don't die, you come back again. You get extra credit or whatever and you can do it again. But life is not like, life is not a computer game. Life is not like that. You can't just start it all over and do it again. 30% of an average person's anxiety is focused on things about the past that cannot be changed. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we would all say that there's something in our past we regret doing. Am I right? Something you look back and say, can I, have a, can I do that over again? Can I replay that? We wish we had a rewind button, but life doesn't come with a rewind button. So today I want to look at that. If you have a Bible, please open to John chapter 13. If you have our app, that should be on the app. <coughs> Cassie will tell me yes or no. Thank you, ma'am. I want to talk about Peter and a couple of charcoal fires. If we look at John chapter 13, verses 38, uh, 36 to 38, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus had answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Listen to this. He said, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow three, three times till you have denied me three times. The rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. So the story of Peter's failure is well known. Despite Peter's confidence that he said, Lord, I am willing to die for you. I will lay down my life for you. Turns out they were only words because 
when push came to shove, he denied his Lord three times. If you go to John chapter 18, you'll see the event happen. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's, uh, sorry, you also, are you not one of this man's disciples? And he said, no, I am not. Now the servant and the officers had made a charcoal fire. That's the first charcoal fire we're going to talk about because it was cold and they were standing warming themselves and Peter was standing there warming with them. So Peter was warming himself by this charcoal fire because it was cold. And someone said, hey, aren't you one of those guys? No, I am not. And he did it three times. Now the Greek word for charcoal fire is uh, athrakia, which means, it, it, it only, which is charcoal fire. It only appears twice in the New Testament. And this morning I want to look at both of those instances because two very significant things happened to Peter around a charcoal fire. This was the first one. Peter talked big, showed plenty of promise, but he blew it big time. When he had the chance to do what he said he'd do, he blew it. But I believe our God is a God of second chances, don't you? Our God is a God of second chances. So let's talk about that. You can't replay your life over and over. You can't gain credit for another life. But thankfully, God is a God of second chances, and we see it all through Scripture. Chances are you've done something in the course of your life that you are not proud of. Maybe you're ashamed of. Am I right? Am I the only guy here who's done something he's ashamed of? Thank you. It makes me feel so much better knowing there's a few of you with me at least. Now, you might have even done a few somethings, things that you look back and you regret, and you've, you've, you've messed up and, and they've added up together and they've kind of taken their toll. Maybe you kept one too many secrets. Maybe you told one too many lies. Maybe you were selfish one time too often. Maybe you hurt one too many people, even the people you claim to love. You know, if ever, if ever I sort of drop something on Fiona's foot and she goes, ow, I say, well, love hurts. <laughs> and love does hurt. Because if you love someone, there, chances are you will, you will at some point hurt that person. Because there is pain involved in love. Indeed, after a lifetime of bad behaviour, some of you may be thinking it's too late for you to do anything about righting the wrongs that have gone on before. Too late to make a difference. Too late for God to be using you because you did all of these bad things in the past. And I've spoken with many of you and I've been there myself and I know there are things that I have done that I think disqualifies me from doing what I'm doing now. But we serve a God of the second chance. He loves us. So you might know even that like you did something wrong, your world fell apart and you might know that God has forgiven your sin through your faith in Jesus Christ. You know that you will enter heaven when you die, that, that you have eternal life. But perhaps you can't shake the feeling that, that the chance to do something has gone. It's come and gone because what you did was so bad. If you feel this way, let me be straight with you. We serve a God who is capable of overcoming and restoring and doing the impossible. He can restore the unrestorable. In fact, God is in the business of taking the worst of us and using us in mighty ways to the glory of his name and his kingdom. Let me prove it from scripture. I want to go through the scriptures and look at people who blew it big time, yet God was able to use them. And I'm telling you now that we serve a God of second chances and third and fourth. And he is a God who loves you and that nothing you have done in the past disqualifies you from what God has for you in the future. Nothing. 
I remember sitting in prison one time with a guy who, was, who, who had murdered someone. And he said those words to me. He said, he said I want to believe, but he said, I don't think God can use me. I'm a murderer. And I could open the Bible and show him how God used murderers. Because murdering is not the unforgivable sin. Adultery is not the unforgivable sin. Lying, cheating, going to prison, they're not unforgivable sins. God can forgive them, he can restore you, and he still has a destiny for you. He has a destiny for you, no matter what you think you may have done in the past. So let's have a look at some examples. Consider Moses. Now Moses was a prince in Egypt, but he made one big mistake. Everything was going swimmingly for him, and he made one big mistake. You remember what it was? He killed a, an Egyptian. And so he, he, one mistake cost him the respect of Pharaoh and the trust of his own people when he murdered that Egyptian. And he tried to cover up his crime. He then ran away for fear of his life and he spent 40 years as an outcast, convinced that his wickedness had rendered him ineligible for any good works. His life was, he'd done this unbelievable sin and that was the end of life as he knew it. Then God's response was to show up in a burning bush one day with a message for Moses that no matter what he'd done, the plan was, God's plan was for him to lead God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. He would be given authority over the people and the power from God to bring judgment on Egypt itself. So in Exodus 3 verse 10 we read these words. God says, come, I will send you to the Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses, this washed up guy in the back blocks for 40 years. 40 years is a long time. Right? And he's out there for 40 years, yet God appears to him and suddenly he's thrust into the spotlight and he's doing amazing things for God. Because God gave him a second chance. Moses came up with every excuse in the book he could think of, but God insisted, he said, no, 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 you're the man that I want to lead the people out of Egypt. And you might think you've sinned so greatly that God cannot use you, but I prophesy to you today, no matter what you've done in the past, that God can, if you are obedient to him, if you get this right, God will use you in a mighty and powerful way. He has a destiny for your life. You know that. You sense it. But you don't feel you're worthy. That's a great place to be because it's his righteousness, not yours. It's his forgiveness that gives you the opportunity to do it. And the devil doesn't want you to listen to this message. He does not want you to respond to this message. He does not want you to think it through. He, he's content with you thinking, well, I've just done this bad thing. That writes me off forever. I'll just get on with the rest of life. No. In the name of Jesus Christ, no. Because he has a destiny for you if you listen to him. And if the devil wants to remind you of your past, try reminding him of his future. I said that a couple of weeks ago. Still applies. I read the book. In the Bible reading plan, I got to the end of the book at the end of, of last year, and I know who wins. And it's not the devil. He'll tell you that he's, he's powerful, but he's not when he faces Jesus Christ. So here's another one. Consider Rahab. Now, Rahab was a prostitute living in a pagan city of, of, of Jericho. She lived on the furthest outskirts of the city. She lived in the wall, like in a little house by the wall, which was the place for the lowest in society. <coughs> she was an adulteress. She was a, a, she was a prostitute. Now, shortly before her nation's downfall, she knew enough about the Lord and God's chosen people to sort of see what was coming. 
it would have been easy for her to say, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'll just get wiped out with the rest of the Jericho inhabitants. But she said, no, by faith, she, her faith compelled her to help Joshua's spies align herself with, the, with Israel's God. Thus, God used her to grant a victory to the Israelites and he saved her and protected her and her whole family from Jericho's fall. You might say, well, that's an incredible story. She had this, this, this terrible life as a prostitute, but in one moment she turned it around by trusting God and he used her in a mighty way to bring about defeat for that city, but to bring about the goodness of God in that area for the people of Israel. But it goes even further than that. In Matthew chapter 1, it runs through the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And there's not many women appear in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, but one who does is Rahab the prostitute you think you've got a sordid background right Matthew 1 5 says this and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab she married a Jew she fathered a guy called Boaz heard of him before this is Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth you know the book of Ruth this is right in the middle of it Rahab is right in that line and then Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David, who then it goes right down the line to Jesus. The genealogy of the Messiah, and this prostitute is sitting right in the middle of it. Because God is a God of second chances. What about Joseph? Joseph, I mean, he didn't really do anything wrong. He was a victim. He wasn't out and out sinful, but his brothers betrayed him. He sold him into slavery. He was beaten down, falsely accused, forgotten by people he trusted. He could have got mad. He could have got justifiably angry. He could have got even. When the brothers stood in front of him there at the end, he could have got even, but he didn't. He waited. He trusted God, waited patiently. He forgave his brothers instead of getting even. In Genesis 50, verse 20, and I love this. I don't know about you, but I've had people do some pretty rotten things to me through the years. Am I the only one? Guessing not. Guessing not. And, and when you forgive people, I always say forgiveness, unforgiveness is like poison. You know, you drink it hoping the other guy dies, but you're killing yourself, right? And so when you forgive, you set yourself free. And that's what Joseph discovered. Listen to what he said in Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And then he wrote, all my life you have been faithful. No, he didn't. He, anyway, he could have. But God meant it for good to bring, about, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So Joseph, he forgave his brothers and he, he went even further. He said... You guys were trying to hurt me, but God meant it for good. How good is that? That's true forgiveness. So if someone's hurt you in the past, that does not disqualify you from a second chance. Because when you forgive, you set yourself free for God to, to use you. What about Gideon? Now Gideon was threshing wheat in a hole, which doesn't really work. Remember, that it, it was a, a wine press, a big hole in the ground, and you're supposed to thresh wheat, you're supposed to throw it up, and the chaff blows away and the grain stays. That's the plan. But if you're in a hole, there's no wind. So he was so scared of the Midianites who'd conquered the land at that time, he was threshing wheat inside this hole, hoping they wouldn't see him. He was terrified. Then God shows up in Judges 6, says this, and the Lord said to him, 
Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? So this guy, this, this angel or the Lord or whatever turns up and says, mighty man of valour. And here he is scared, you know, winnowing down in a hole. But God saw through his fear, the fear that was caused by stuff that had gone on in his past, God saw through that fear and saw who he should be. And he's calling him a mighty man of God. So when he gave uh, Gideon this instruction, Gideon said back to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. See, God raised Gideon up to free his people. God saw his timidity. He saw his, he saw his limited family background and upbringing. Some of you may say, well, the, with the upbringing I had, that disqualifies me from doing anything great in the future. That's not true. You're only disqualified if you tell yourself you're disqualified. Whatever your background is, God still has a plan for you. And God saw through Gideon's failures to who he should be and who he was destined to be. So whatever failure or upbringing, uh, uh, whatever situation you've had in your past or your upbringing, God sees through that and he calls you to be a mighty warrior today. He's the God of second chances. None of that stuff discounts you from what God has for you. What about King David? Now, King David was a great success. We know the story of David. He was a great man. He slew Goliath. He escaped the corrupted uh, King Saul. God raised him to the throne. And there he was on the top of the pile. The, he was the king. He tasted success. Everything was going great. And you remember the story, what did he do? He saw a woman and he lusted for her and he committed adultery with Bathsheba and he murdered her husband, Uriah. Then he was challenged on it and Nathan the prophet came to him and said, listen, David, you are the man. You've done this. <coughs> and David didn't make excuses. He immediately took responsibility. 2 Samuel 12, it says this. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord and the child who is born to you shall die. There were still consequences for what he'd done, but God forgave him. And he, is, he was Israel's greatest king. This man who blew it so badly when he was on top of the pile. So David, he was in ministry. He was doing what God had called him to do. He had it all. But his lust caused grievous sins. He had it and he lost it. And some here are in that position. You, you've done great things for God in the past. You might have, might have uh, been sharing the gospel. You might have you know, had a position. I don't know. You might have you've done stuff in the past, but through one thing or another, or maybe through some fault of your own or something you did or said, you've lost it. And you say, well, that's it. I'm done. Not true. God is the God of second chances. If you repent accept his forgiveness then and you realize that he is the lord of all but he is the god of second chances even if you've blown it finally consider john mark saint mark to to many guy wrote the gospel he was a young man cousin of barnabas a guy who traveled and ministered with paul now we're not privy with the details of what actually happened but there was a big falling out because mark left the team when they really needed him and uh, in, in dire straits, Mark just shot through. He, he quit. And so uh, 
his cousin Barnabas later on wanted to take him on another missionary trip and Paul said no way and it says in Acts chapter 15 now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark but Paul thought it best not to take um, take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone to on to work with them and so there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from one another Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus Paul took Barnabas such a big like do you think people in Christian ministry ever have arguments <coughs> yes but the big issue was Barnabas said I want my cousin to come back on the team and, and, and Paul, Paul said no way let me down last time I don't want him and it was such a sharp disagreement they actually separated and went their, their separate ways Mark how do you think Mark felt overhearing that conversation I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. He, he felt he was a failure in ministry. And you would think that would be the end of it. You'd never hear from him again. But God is the God of second chances. And in his last epistle, imprisoned in Rome, facing the executioner's sword, Paul wrote, the last book that he wrote in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11, Paul writes these words, listen to these, Luke alone is with me. Everyone else had deserted him. Luke alone is with me, he writes. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me in ministry. This guy who'd let him down, this guy who was a failure, this guy who'd fallen flat in his face and quit, there's Paul in his last moments alive saying, bring him, he's useful to me in ministry. Mark then went on to write the gospel bearing his name. So he went from a wash-up, a failure... The biggest letdown going to someone whom Paul needed in his darkest hour. Please bring him. He's useful. I need him. Isn't that incredible? Because God is the God of second chances. And the Bible is full of stories about sinners whom God ended up redeeming and using them to bring about a perfect plan of deliverance and restoration. So if God can use murderers and prostitutes to become great heroes of faith, why would you assume he can't use you? Why would you think that he can't use you when he's used all these guys? And the interesting thing about some of these guys is that what people say, oh yeah, but you know, I was bad before and then I became a Christian and it's all been good from there. Some of these guys here were already serving and in ministry when they fell. David, Mark, these guys, they were already doing stuff for God. Then they fell. So don't just put a line there and say that's pre-Christ and, and after Christ. No. Because how many of you here make mistakes even though you're a Christian? Some of us big mistakes since we've been Christians. It's not just pre-Christian and post-Christian when you made a decision for Jesus. God is the God of second chances for believers. Even if you've sinned as a believer, even if you've quit as a believer, even if you've walked away, God is a God of second chances for you. So let's talk about the fires again. Peter's second charcoal fire. Now, as you probably realise, after Jesus died, most of the disciples were pretty disillusioned. They gravitated back to their previous professions. Peter, who knew he'd betrayed his Lord three times, he said, well, that's it for me. He went back to fishing. And they'd been out there fishing all night. You probably know the story. They caught zip. And Jesus appeared and said, cast your net on the other side, which they did in obedience. And they caught 153 fish, to be exact. And interestingly, Peter was a big help. He should have been there hauling all the, the nets in with his mates, but he wasn't. He said, it's the Lord. He jumped in the, in, the, in the Sea of Galilee and swam to him. 
And then he, he goes out to meet Jesus. And listen to what it says, John 21 verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it in bread. There's the second charcoal fire. The first charcoal fire was Peter failing. Was Peter promising big and delivering little. And failing, falling flat on his face, denying his Lord three times. But the second charcoal fire is different. The second mention sees a dejected, depressed, down Peter. And Jesus sits with him. And the account of Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter's restoration is highly significant. Because remember, three times Peter denied Christ. And in, in this charcoal fire, he has the times three times to affirm his love for his Lord. Let's look at it. Uh, John chapter 21 we're talking about here. Now in the Greek, the exchange between Jesus and Peter is very revealing over this charcoal fire. 21 verse 15 says this, When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. So that's the first exchange. Now Jesus, it's interesting in the Greek, there's, as you probably know, there's seven words for love in the Greek. Jesus uses the word agape love, which is the highest form of love. It's unconditional, sacrificial love. It's the love God has for us. It's the love that stands forever, no matter what sort of love. So Jesus said, Peter, do you, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally no matter what? And, Jesus, uh, and, and Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But the Greek word he used there is the word philio, which is brotherly love. It's a different form of love. It's not unconditional love, it's brotherly love. So Jesus said, do you agape love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I philio love you. Jesus said, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter said, Lord... You know I love you as a brother. So that's how the exchange is going down. Then the so that happens twice. Then the final time says this. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he'd asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now we don't pick it up in the English, but in, in that instance, Jesus used the word filio. What's happening here? Jesus said, do you love me this much, Peter? Peter says, I kind of, you know, I love you as a brother. Peter, do you love me this much? I love you as a brother. And Jesus sees his pain. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes. Jesus came and met Peter where he was at. But he would go on. He goes on to say that what Peter had promised back in, in, in the first charcoal fire, when he'd blown at the first charcoal fire, what he promised before that would come to pass. Jesus knew that Peter would deny his Lord three times. So he offered three times the pledge of his love, a second chance. And Jesus gave Peter a second chance to live for him. And ultimately, Peter's destiny was to be crucified and to lay his life down for his Lord. Um, legend has it, or, or, or um, they say, that he was crucified upside down by Nero. And I don't know if you realise this. Did you see the, the Pope's, previous Pope's funeral? during the week, I don't know if you saw that, but um, St. Peter's Basilica, they say that is where uh, Nero executed St. Peter. That's why it's called St. Peter's Basilica. So Peter got the chance to actually fulfil his destiny, even though he needed a second chance to do it. So God is offering us a second chance this morning. In a book called The Heart of the Master, authors Gordon and Gail MacDonald tell the story of Abba Mios, 
who was asked by a soldier whether God would forgive him. And the soldier who'd obviously you know, killed people and stuff said, will God forgive me? After instructing him at some length, the old man asked him, he said, tell me, son, if your best cloak was torn, would you throw it away? Oh, no, the soldier replied, I would mend it and wear it again. The old man said to him, well, if you care for your cloak, will not God show mercy to his own creature? If you would mend something you love and re-wear it, why can't God mend you and reuse you? He's the God of the second chances. We're flawed human beings, but we take care of things and God takes care of us and he wants to restore us. We serve the God of the second chance, like Moses, Rahab, Joseph, Gideon, David, Mark and Peter. Each of us is offered the opportunity to pour our brokenness at the feet of the one who was himself broken for us. Repentance is one of the truest forms of worship because it's, it's an action that supports. You can say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you and keep on sinning. That's not good enough. Repentance is a complete about face from that and it's an act of worship. And this is the moment. See, tapping into the future God wants for you starts with a living, active faith that God is whom he says he is and that he will do what he promises to do. In Jude 1 it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He can prevent you from stumbling. But some of us have stumbled quite a bit, haven't we? We look at our life and we think, Man, how could God ever forgive me? Well, there are plenty of things in life that we wish we could replay or do over. Maybe to correct a wrong or a missed opportunity. Maybe you didn't listen to some wise advice. Maybe there's some sins in your life that the devil keeps hounding you about. But I'm telling you now, Jesus wants more from you in 2023. God offers forgiveness no matter what because he is the God of the second chance. And whatever you have done in the past does not disqualify you from serving God in the future if you come to him in repentance. It just doesn't. By choosing to believe that God will keep his promise and destiny for you, regardless of what you may have done in the past, you can open the door right now to be used by God for greatness in his kingdom. And I believe God has a destiny for so many of you. I can't remember seeing a bunch of people with such incredible destiny that God has for them. God has, he's the God of the second chance. So don't give up. Defeat is not permanent. Failure is not forever. Unless you choose to, to, to make it forever, that's your choice. But I'd say don't do that. Because he's the God of the second chance. Our victory has already been won in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is to draw near to God and it, let he will draw near to you. The Bible says that. And you will receive that second chance. And you will experience everything he has for you on this earth to experience. Because he loves you. And he's the God of the second chance. But what, uh, what you have to do is to believe that whatever you've done in the past, God loves, forgives, he restores you, and he will raise you up to greatness if you trust in him. See, destiny is not something that randomly happens to you. People say, oh, it was destiny that we met. No, that's a random occurrence. Destiny is not that. Destiny is a series of choices. If you make the wrong choices, you lose your destiny. If you make the right choices, you move into your destiny. Destiny doesn't randomly happen. Don't believe that stuff. That's new age stuff. Destiny is the result of your choices. And right now you've got the opportunity to make a choice to let the past be past at last. So let me ask you, who wants to make a second chance today?
Would you bow your heads? I want you to quieten your heart before the Lord right now and let him speak to you. Because we've sung about the goodness of God and we've, we've uh, worshipped him this morning. But I'm telling you, he's not done yet. He has a plan and a destiny for you. Whatever you have done in the past, he can forgive, he can restore, and he can put you back on track. Not because of your righteousness, not because you're special, but because he is the God of second chances. So I want you to think, look back on your life. How many of you? Is God speaking to you this morning? Where you feel like you've blown it. You feel like there is no chance for you going forward to serve the Lord. But God's looking at you into your heart. He's shining a light right in there and he's saying, but I am the God of second chances. If there's something you've done in the past that you're ashamed of, that you think disqualifies you of what God has in the future, then we're going to give that to him now. And we're going to set ourselves free from that burden in the past. So look into your heart. I can't see in there, but you can. And he can. And right now he is shining the light into the dark recesses of your heart. The Bible says, search me, O God. He's searching right now. What is it that you've done in the past that you're ashamed of? Because I'm going to ask you to give that to him right now. Just take a few moments. Let him shine his light on what is holding you back. If you believe that God has more for you, yet something in your past has been holding you back, I want you to stand wherever you are in this auditorium. There'll be many. This is your moment. Don't walk away from this and say, oh yeah, it doesn't include me. It does. If there's something in your past that is holding you back, just stand wherever you are. give you a few seconds more to join those who are standing. If that is you, if there's something in your past, a sin, a grievance, maybe someone did something to you and you feel it's holding you back, just stand wherever you are right now. Because this is your moment. Do not let this moment go by. This is a life-changing moment. When you can give this to the Lord. Lord, you see those who are standing and some who are sitting who are not game to stand. Lord, I pray that you would set them free right now from whatever has gone on in the past. Whatever they've got that they're ashamed of. Whatever they've done that they regret. Whatever someone's done to them that they still carry pain for. They're giving it to you right now. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to join me in this prayer. And together we're going to unburden you. We're going to take the ceiling off so you can reach higher to become what God has destined you to be. So say these words with me. Lord, I love you. Forgive me for holding on to this. But now in the name of Jesus, I repent and I hand this burden over to you. Set me free and lead me into the destiny you have for me. stand together. I'm going to ask those of you who are currently standing to make your way to the front. We want to pray this through. Just step right out to the front here as we sing this song.